0: tried to make sure today that everybody got a copy of uh, Foundational Vision for Reaching Children and Families, and if you did not get a copy of this, uh, please uh, get one from me before you leave tonight. We're going to take next Sunday evening service and we're going to explain this in detail. We're going to take that time to talk about it and uh, discuss it in a, in a business session and give you an opportunity just to think about it a month. And then we're going to come back in January and and vote on it and and see how you feel about it. We want you, uh, certainly, to follow the Lord's leadership. I wonder if you're here today and after we uh, had the service this morning, if you were here and we talked about expecting something new, I wonder if it's truly the desire of your heart that God would do something new in your life. Uh, most of us uh, can go back to a time in our life when we had an experience with the Lord. Certainly we should be able to. And if you cannot, then you need to be asking God, Why is it, Lord, that I've never had an experience with you? And how is it that you came into the church without ever having an experience with the Lord? And although we might be able to identify a time when we had an experience with the Lord... We never need to be settled or satisfied with that moment. I always use Moses as an example who, although he met God at the burning bush, years later was saying, Oh God, I pray thee, show me thy glory. He wanted a new work in his life. So what would it take for God to do a new work in your life? Have you surveyed the situation some of you have been members of this church for years, yet as you survey the situation in your church and in your community, maybe there's this, just this overwhelming feeling that God is, is not able to do anything new here. Maybe it's in your own life or your own family that the doubts arise, the, the, you know your own heart, the ruts are too deep, the habits have been around for too long. How could God do a new work in an old life or a new work in an old heart? How can God do a new work in your home? Now, some of us became believers when we were just small children. And back in those days, I've taught you about those days before, I wish we would never lose the wonder that we have as children, especially our wonder about God. You believed him to be a God who could do anything, but trial and time and spiritual tragedies have taken a toll on your faith and your faithfulness. And you'll notice I said spiritual tragedies. You've probably lived long enough and traveled far enough to have more than one spiritual tragedy in your life. I want to take you back to those days when you believed God without question. There was not even a shadow of a doubt in your heart, but that's not true today. You see God's promises, you you hear the call for faith, but you're no longer certain that the God that you serve is able. Maybe it's your circumstances, the condition of your soul, but I want you to open your Bible to the book of Ephesians. And in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 We're going to just stay right where we are, you see, in the book, as we've been walking through this book of Ephesians, and we're going to hear what God is saying to us about what he is able to do in our lives. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And we look at this explosion of praise from the pen of Paul. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever notice not just in the first century church but in the second century church and in the 10th century church and in the 20th century church and in the 21st century church in the baby boomer generation in generation x in generation z in the missing generation that we've been talking about in our church to all generations to him be the glory in the church and in christ jesus throughout all generations forever and ever so what i hope that you'll be able to do is to leave here tonight with a vision of a god who is able who can do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask, that's what the verse says, all that we can ask or even think to ask, that is the God you serve, that is the God who we heard this morning promises to do something new in your life and in your church. When God has spoken his promise to your heart, You should never allow your circumstances to douse the fire of your faith. Stand on the promise of God with total faith in the God who spoke it. Don't be afraid to act in keeping with God's promise because he is far more abundantly able to do above and beyond all that you can ask or think. I remind you of the three young men in the Old Testament who committed themselves to serve their gods, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when a golden image was set up in Babylon and a royal decree went out that all people should bow before those image, that image, those young men did not bow. When they were faced with being thrown into the fiery furnace, they still would not bow because they believed that they served a God who was able. Forgive them, they were just young men and they didn't know any better. In our circumstances, in our situation today, when we look at uh, mandates from the government and we think about mandates to come, we think, well, maybe our God might not be able to do what he did in the days of Daniel, in the days of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But uh, they believed that God was able. Not only so, they believed that if he chose not to deliver them, they would still trust him even if it meant facing the fire. So I remind you of what they said in Daniel 3, verse 17. They said, If it be so, our king, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. That was their conviction as they faced their circumstances. Their God was able. Now, here's the question. The title of the message tonight is simply this. You should have figured it out by now. Is God able? Is He able in your circumstances? Is He able in my circumstances? Is He able to do what needs to be done? Is He able to answer the prayer that you've been praying? You know, the Lord reminded me yesterday well actually today after I got a phone call yesterday of a prayer that I've been praying for well I prayed a long time ago and I hadn't been praying it because I gave up on it you ever had one of those you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you gave up you you hung up the phone on God and said he'll never answer that one well it's amazing what God is able to do and it is amazing how God is able to keep his promises God always keeps his promises. Let me just tell you what I've learned from experience. If God ever takes a promise from his word and shakes it at you, you, you you heard me say that this morning, if he makes one, you open the Bible and it stands up like 3D and you look at it and God speaks it to your heart, never doubt that God will fulfill it because he has a plan to do that. Make sure he's spoken it to your heart. Don't just go through and open your Bible and put your finger down. You might end up like like that person who put his finger on the one that said, and Judas went out and hanged himself and then flipped the page and put it down again. It said, go thou and do likewise. You don't want to do that, but you want to make sure God has truly spoken to you. And when God has spoken, when he shakes that, that verse at you, like Moses at the bur- like he revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush, God means business. But what is it in your life that causes you to question God's ability, likely there's something, some unanswered prayer, some pressing problem, some, some obstacle that you just don't feel like you or your family or your church can overcome. Uh, but if God has clearly told you a direction that you ought to travel and a problem on which you ought to stand, there should never be an obstacle that stands in your way that you consider bigger than God. Doubt though will cause you some problems. Doubt will cause you to be tentative in prayer. You won't pray because you, you won't be sure God can do it. You'll, you'll pray for the ambiguous. Do you understand what I'm talking about praying for the ambiguous? That's not a, uh, an animal in the zoo. The ambiguous. The ambiguous is that which you wouldn't know if God answered it anyway. Like bless the missionaries. Does God do that? Well, yes, he does. Well, can you name one that he blessed? Did you pray for one in one particular? No, you don't do that. You pray for the ambiguous. Forgive me of my sins. Those are, God can do those things, and those are nice things to pray for, but you would never ask God to move a mountain. You would never look at a mountain in front of you and say, God, move that mountain, and I'm not talking about a mountain that, like Mount Everest, I'm talking about the mountain of problems that's standing in front of you. You would not ask God to do that because you might say it might not be His will, but your real fear is, He might not be able. So what are the circumstances that are casting a shadow across your faith? What is the situation that's causing you to question God's ability. Look again at the verses in Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in, in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. I want to emphasize That all generations, it didn't jump out at me until I read it just earlier. But it means now in the church today. Paul meant then, but he also meant now. And in the far distant future, God wants to be glorified in his church. He wants Christ to be glorified in his church. That's something we can pray for. That's something we can expect. That's a prayer from the heart of Paul. Do you think God is still answering the prayers of Paul? Remember last week how we talked about sin and we used this as an example, or I did, when you, when you throw a pebble in the water and you throw a pebble in the water and it falls in the pond and that's the only spot in the pond the pebble bothers. It's where it went in, a little splash, you never see any other place. The, the pond is just smooth from that point on. No, you know it's not right. You throw the pebble in the water, the, the, the pebble hits the pond. If it hits the center of the pond, the ripples go out until they go all the way across the pond in every direction. What do you think about prayer? Prayer is a ripple in eternity. And Paul prayed these prayers a long time ago. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. How many how many eyes of how many hearts have been enlightened because of the prayers of the Apostle Paul? What about your prayers? Prayers that, that you prayed last year, prayers that you will pray in the future, and God will continue to answer. He may answer them after you're gone, but he will answer those prayers, and they'll have a ripple effect from here To eternity. Please notice now, lastly, what Paul had to say about the realm of God's activity. The realm of God's activity. Can God work anywhere He wants to? Well, that's true. But Paul makes one specific statement about the superabundant, God's superabundant activity and where He works. He says, within us. Within us. So that means God's activity is not only to be revealed on the pages of Bible history, but in your life and in mine. The same mighty power that parted the Red Sea, shook Mount Sinai, crumbled the walls of Jericho, spoke creation into being, holds the universe in place and raise Jesus from the dead, that mighty power is at work in you and in your behalf. So what would it take for God to do a new work in your life? Well, if we were honest, if we were honest, if I was honest and you were honest, so let's be, most of the things that present an obstacle to the activity in, of God in my life are not external, are they? It's not some door that's shut. It's not some need that's not met. It's not some problem that's unsolved externally. Those things are inside me. That's where the mountains are. That's where the giants walk. And it's in me that God wants to display his mighty power and in you. God wants to conquer The giants of sin that dominate our minds and our hearts. Can he really do that? Do you remember the story of the man in the Bible who's called Legion? We just look back at his story and we see that demons dominated his life. He was a danger to himself and everybody around him. The community had banished him and had chained him at times. He lived out among the tombs, terrorized and tormented by Satan's power. The community had given up on him. The ministers had given up on him. Uh, His family had given up on him. And he had given up on himself. And yet when he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, the demons that were inside him were conquered and Jesus left him sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And one of the most wonderful verses in the Bible uh, to me is is what, what happened. It says, he that had been possessed of the demons prayed that he might be with him from that point on he wanted to be with Jesus Jesus was able then and he he is able now is he able to do a new new work in your life now my my concern is my concern is when we talk about the missing generation and not only the missing generation but most of us who've seen far too little of God's activity in our lives. We read the Bible and we read the stories in the Bible, but we have no stories of our own. We have no testimony of God's activity. Now, that doesn't mean it's always been the case. That doesn't mean it's always been the case. And if those of you who are under 20 who are in here, there are just a few of you, if you listen up, I want you to hear me. I remember times and some of these people do too in the life of the church when the church was full every Sunday it was full and it wasn't full because it was any different songs or any different stories than we tell now the stories were the same and the songs were the same but there was a difference can you tell me what the difference was anybody what was the difference it was the presence of God in his church. You knew that God was present. You felt God's presence. There was a sense of God's presence. You know, uh, <clears throat> the song, I love the song, when I walked through the door, I sensed his presence. At holy ground. You know, there there used to be times like that in the church. When you walked through the door, you sensed his presence. I preached a revival in 1985 at Rocky Creek Baptist Church, and the church was full every night. Growing up, I went to revivals, services that on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or a Thursday night, and uh, people standing outside the church on the porch because they couldn't get in listening. And they were there because, not because they were so much interested in hearing the preacher preach. They wanted to see what God would do. And those were days when God did something. At the end of services, look, when I was a pastor at Agricola, it had nothing to do with me, and I know that really well now because I've not been able to repeat it, you know. Uh, when I was a pastor at Agricola, we had two services And people that were in the early service came to the second service to see who was going to be saved because people had been saved in the first service. And there was a period of time in the life of that church where people got saved every time we had a service. had nothing to do with the preacher. had nothing to do with the music. It just simply was the Lord was present there. Now, I don't know what the problem is, and what we've done to run God off. But we've done it very successfully. So much so that there would hardly be a service that you could put your finger on in recent memory where you could say the power of the Lord was present in that service. Isn't it so? But that's still not a question of God's ability because Paul said he is far more abundantly above and beyond able to do more than you can ask or even imagine according to the power that works within us. And he intends, it is his intention, it is his will, it is his wish to be glorified in the church and in Christ Jesus. Not just in some generation, but in every generation, all the way to the last one. So can we join Paul in praying that God would reveal himself here? Let's pray. Lord, you know our need and you know what the passions of our heart are. The wrong ones and the right ones. And we pray, Lord, that, uh, that you would do your work. Obviously, I'm not able And God, we, uh, we've tried a lot of things down through the years in all the churches where I've been, and the only thing that's worked is you. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would show up again in the life of our church, and we would not be jealous for our church only. We would pray whatever church in this community, we would ask, Lord, that you be present in power to work, to reveal yourself to glorify yourself, to make this younger generation and this missing generation know that you are indeed God and that they would be drawn to you, not by the kind of services we have, but by who is present in the services that we have, you, clearly you, join with us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we sing?